So now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read about 12 verses of Scripture uh, from the 5th chapter of Matthew, and we're going to go to a couple of other places, and then at the end of the message, I'm going to recap it. I'm going to start out reading in, in the King James Version of the Bible, and then I'm going to finish up reading the same verses from Matthew 5 in the New Living Translation of the Bible, and there's a nugget in that uh, that I, I found it fascinating when the Holy Spirit showed it to me, and so we, we pray that we can bring that out for you tonight as well. But Matthew chapter 5, these are the words of Jesus, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. This is the first of five great discourses of Christ, and it's re they're all recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, chapter 10, chapter 13, chapter 18, uh, chapters 24 and 25. The scripture says he went up into a mountain. This is the same thing that Moses did when he received the law from God. He went up into a mountain. Christ is the new and the greater Moses, praise God, the supreme prophet of all. Jesus' message holds together in himself as a king of the kingdom. So Jesus is preaching here about the kingdom of God. He's giving uh, discourses as it pertains to the kingdom of God, and he is the king of the kingdom. Praise God. His kingdom, his reign, has already begun in his people. Now for the, for the world in its entirety, it falls up under the prophetic timeline that we believe the next great event on the horizon of time is the rapture of the church. That's speaking prophetically. However, there could be a great event tomorrow that is a sign of the times, and, and we haven't reached the rapture yet. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians just get in absolute fear, and I don't understand why anyone would fear the last days because this is the greatest hour for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have ever known, <clears throat> the fields are white to harvest, the opportunities are knocking on the door, if only we will be ready and hear them. But people get afraid of all of the signs that are going to happen, and, and I'll be quite honest with you. I do not believe that everything bad is going to happen only after the rapture. I think we're going to see some, some tremendously bad things in this generation in our lifetimes but God will give us the peace and he will give us the faith and he will give us the stability to be able to deal with those times and to minister the kingdom of God to minister the heart of God to minister the truth of the gospel to the people of the earth in these dark times his kingdom has already begun in you and I so the rapture, next great event, then the great tribulation, seven years in length, and then the battle of Armageddon. This is loose now. Come on. I'm not going to give you every little point. but And then we finally get to the millennial reign. And at the battle of Armageddon, of course, Jesus comes back a second time with his saints, the very ones that he raptured seven years before. So that's you and me. We come back with him. And he sets up his reign and his kingdom. Well, at that time, for 1,000 years, and then on into eternity future, 
his reign will be a literal earthly reign. Now, we are the spiritual subjects of his reign, and he's reigning in our hearts, even now, as we speak. The kingdom of God transforms our life because our natures have been changed. That's very important to understand, because this, like this message tonight, in reality, every gospel message, this is not for people whose natures haven't been changed. Sometimes we get awful critical and awful hard against sinners. We should preach against sin, but hear what I'm saying. But you know, a sinner can't do anything but sin. Because we have to have a nature change. The Holy Spirit has to begin to work within us. And that's what the kingdom of God in our hearts is all about. We are in process, but we don't want to use that as an excuse to do wrong. Our nature is to be changed into the image of God on a daily basis and even a moment of, a by moment uh, basis. Jesus' standard of obedience is impossible apart from His grace. Let me stop right there and say this to you. We're still in verse 1. Bear with me. Grace is a word that is talked a lot about today. I mean, it's really thrown around rather freely and rather loosely. Please bear in mind that grace costs God everything He had. So it's not cheap. Again, I'll say what I said before the song leading up to this segment of the program tonight. We seem to get it in our mind, or at least a lot of people don't. I've really never struggled with this myself, and I'm not making light of anybody who struggles, but we seem to hear an awful lot about people talking about, you know, God just understands, He just meets me where I'm at, He just accepts me at the level that I'm at, and He blesses me just like He does anybody else. That is not true. God has showed us His standard. He has shown us, Jesus has shown us what He expects of us, and it's not up to God to weaken His standard. It's up to us to pray to get into and become a doer of the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us to take us to where God wants us and needs us to be before He can take us deeper. So this is not just some, you know, if you're a person who is filled with excuses... You cannot go any deeper than you are right now with God. Well, I, I, I got this and I got that and God understands and grace, grace, grace. And grace is the bedrock of the gospel, folks. But don't misuse grace. Don't twist grace up to mean something that it doesn't mean. The Lord knows that every single one of us, myself, you, every one of us will fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And there is grace for us. There is grace for a sincere heart. Thereby, being a sincere Christ follower. There is grace. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be falling short. And there is grace for that. But there is no grace in people who make excuses for poor behavior. Or for laziness. Or to not be committed to the cause of Christ, because that is part of what the Holy Spirit has transformed our lives for, is not just so that we can go to heaven, although that's part of it. Praise God. How many are glad that you get to go to heaven when you die? But also, 
we, we have been transformed and are being transformed on a daily basis so that we can take his kingdom to others. So this factors in to our message tonight very, very much. Christ's standards of obedience are impossible apart from his grace. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. His laws constantly press his people to seek more grace from God. And let me say this before we go into verse 2. I've taught many times in my life, you know, that the Christian is no longer under the law, and that is true. I've taught that it's not about us keeping a particular set of rules and regulations like it was under the Old Covenant, and that is true. But in that statement, I don't want you to take away from that that the law is unimportant, because that is not true. The law is still the law. And the law is still there. Now, we don't fulfill the law by the law. And this is where the catch comes. <clears throat> you, mankind proved over and over again what a dismal failure he is at keeping the law of God. And quite honestly, it can't be kept by human strength, talent, or ability. The law, however, must be kept. And how we keep it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart and life of a believer. Now that comes back up over and over again. It is the bedrock of our, of our faith, folks. The Holy Spirit is not bringing you to faith in Jesus so that you can do whatever you want to do, and it doesn't really matter what His Word commands, you'll do it if you feel like it, or you'll do it if you think it's right, or you'll do it if you agree with it. That is so disgusting, I can't even put it into words. You know, and I believe that type of attitude, there is no grace for. Now I want you to let that sink in. There's grace for falling short, there's grace for mistakes, there's grace even for a person who goes off into sin knowingly what they are doing, and then later they come to a sincere a revelation or a return to Christ, and they're sorry, and they want to be delivered from it. I believe there's grace for that. I don't believe there's grace for, I get to pick and choose. You know, let me, this is kind of off the topic, and I want to say that because this isn't really dealing with grace. But... You know, whatever happened, do you remember in the old days where people, where God would plant people in churches? Today, people go shop for a church like they do for a ham for Christmas. They don't pray and ask God, where do you want me, Lord? They base where they're going to go on do they like the music and do they like the preaching. And I'm telling you, that's a sin. Okay? So you can get mad at Brother Paxton now because I told you you sinned. Okay? Put your crayons away. Don't write me any ugly letters. You need to go where you're planted and you need to grow and bloom where you're planted. There are many people today that's looking for doom, but God has told the church to bloom. And God will plant you and if, if you don't hear always the kind of messages that you want to hear at your church, but God puts you there, I think God might be saying to you, 
Hey, study on your own, dum-dum. You don't get up and run off from where God planted you just because you decide to. Now, these are the type of people that can never go any deeper with God. I'm going to prove it to you in a minute. The laws of God constantly press me to seek more grace from Him. And you can look at Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 13 on that. So let's go into this now. Uh, verse 2, He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, and here we go, here is a description of the type of person that can go deeper with God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We know this section of Scripture uh, as the Beatitudes of Christ. It's an exposition of repentance, really, in light of kingdom. When the word blessed, what that word means, every time you read it here, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, every time you read it, what it's saying is rich in the benefits of God's grace. Okay, so you want to know the type of person that can go deeper with God. You want to know the type of person that grace is, is reaching toward and moving toward. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit is the person who recognizes their complete spiritual bankruptcy. In other words, in myself, I have nothing of any value to God. In myself, I have nothing that can merit me the grace of God. I might have walked down an aisle. I might have joined the church. I might have said some sweet things about Jesus. But that earns me nothing with God. And the only way that I can advance and go deeper in God is for me to understand that I am completely bankrupt and I've got to have Jesus every moment of every day of my entire life. And I've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit to get me where God wants me to be because if you leave it up to me, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to blow it and I'm going to turn this thing into a disaster. And mankind has proven that time and time again. Let's read in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite, there's repentance, that word means sorry, but it's sorry with legs on it. It's sorry with action attached to it. And humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You, you aren't going to go far in the kingdom if you're trying to prove that you're equal to everybody else. I'm going to say some things tonight that's going to cut right down to the, the gut level of where we live. If you're the kind of person, you know, that says amen to what the preacher's preaching, but then you've got to preach your sermon too, you're not going too far in this 
You're not going any deeper with God. If you're the kind that you're on some mission to prove that you're worthy, then you've never been more unworthy. We have to understand that we're nothing without Christ. We can do nothing. We can say nothing. We can be nothing. I want you to also look at Isaiah 66 2, Luke 18 verses 9 through 14, and Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. Next verse, blessed. In other words, here's the person that's stand to receive God's grace. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This type of mourning in the Greek is not the sorrow of this world. This is talking specifically about sorrow over sin against God. I want that to sink in. It's not the same thing that the world sorrows over. This is sorrow because I've sinned against God. Also, what brings the comfort to this person? Are we just supposed to go around our, our whole lives saying, well, I'm nothing and, and I'm in deep sorrow? No. What brings the, com the comfort is repentance. And the Holy Spirit, upon repentance, brings the zeal of the Lord. And those two working in tandem in your life makes you see this not in a morbid way. Well, you mean I just got to say that I'm, I can't do nothing without Jesus? I mean, I'm just a little worm? That's not what the Spirit's trying to convey, although yes, we are nothing but worms without Christ. But repentance is the door that leads you into the in Christ experience. And that's where the zeal of the Lord is. And that's where the joy of the Lord is. And that's where you learn how to view this properly. Alright, so let's go on to the next one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now that's pretty interesting when you consider that you and I that serve Jesus are going to rule and reign with Him for the thousand year reign. And then we're going to have assignments all throughout eternity future. It's pretty interesting that the meek inherit the earth. This is not, the word meek doesn't mean weakness or passivity, but it means humility coupled with gentleness, coupled with Patience in doing good while they wait on the Lord for vindication and for blessings. Let me tell you what that means. That's a whole big definition there from the Greek, but let me tell you what it means. In this life you will have trials and testings and tribulations. In this life you will have suffering. In this life people will do you wrong. How do you deal with it? Do you want to go deeper with God? Then you need to become, and, and none of this are, 
None of us are this by nature, okay? So I'm not preaching at you, I'm one of you when I say these things. We need to become the meek that will inherit the earth. And that word again means humility plus gentleness plus patience. And I'm going to say this another way. The Holy Spirit just corrected me right here. Let me say it another way. All right. Meekness means humility times gentleness times patience in doing good while I wait on the Lord for Him to vindicate me and bless me. In other words, when that person has just cussed me out or that person has, has taken something that should have been mine or when that person has done something to me, that's why Jesus said, if they strike you on the right side, give them the the other side also, if they take away your, your coat, give them your shirt too. Why? Because for me to react in a similar fashion as a Christian to the way the, the other person has acted, if it's the spirit of the world, it plays on my pride. That's the reason we get angry, is because we feel that nobody should treat us that way. But never in the New Testament... Do you see disciples viewing their hardships in that fashion? You'll hear things in the New Testament like the disciples will say, I am so blessed to be able to suffer with the Lord. And we scratch our head and we wonder, what do these things mean? Well, they are the meek that will inherit the earth. Inherit the earth is talking about a promised covenant inheritance. Let's turn real quickly over to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Here's what it says. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So there is a promise. There is a promise that's only fulfilled through faith righteousness only comes through faith and boy we're going to look at that at the end of this message tonight as God brings this all together and I believe that something's just going to pop off for many of us tonight so that's Romans 4.13 uh, it's a new creation covenant promise that we can rule and reign with Jesus Christ if we are in him if we are righteous by faith okay and you can also look at Isaiah 65, 17 and 18. You can look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, and Revelation 21, 1. Let's go on to the next. <clears throat> Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, again, it undermines this modern idea that I should be filled because I'm here. You know, we would call it, in the, in the world, we would call it the entitlement mentality. And Christians have it too. But you stop and think about it. If you run an organization and you got one person over here who, let's just say it's a ministry, and we're looking to promote people, and you got one person over here who's crying before God, who's in the Word, who's crying out, God, make your Word real to me. God, fill me with your spirit. Lord, use me. And you got another person 
<coughs> that has the attitude, well, I don't have time to do all that, but I love Jesus. Which one are you going to promote? And God is not different. God wants you to yield to the work He's doing on the inside of you. The words hunger and thirst, it said hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed. In other words, this is the person who can go deeper with God. This is the person to whom grace is reaching. Hunger and thirst means strongly desire to live in a manner that pleases God. In other words, it's righteousness. Now, we just read to you that you get righteousness not by the law, but by faith. So, if this person we're describing here in these Beatitudes tonight is not you, then that tells me you lack righteousness, which, which tells me you lack relationship with the one who is the giver of righteousness. And it's undeniably a question of our hearts. Blessed are they which have a strong desire to live in manner that is pleasing to God because we will be satisfied. It says they shall be filled. We will be satisfied with the holiness that God gives us. It's not holiness that's contrived that we put on. It's holiness that God gives us. 1 John 3 and verse 2. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. To be merciful, it refers to those who respond to human need with compassion and with grace out of a sense of their own need for mercy. And I think one thing that the Holy Spirit has been sharing with me as, as I read that, I mean that definition I just gave you is what it said to those people standing there that day. It's what Jesus would have said in Aramaic probably to these people. And then it was translated into the common Greek of His day for a wider audience because almost everybody spoke common Greek in the time of Christ. This is what they heard. This is, this is what was actually said. Okay, let's read it again. Blessed are those who respond to human need with compassion and with grace out of, out of a sense of their own need for mercy. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. You can't divorce those two statements. You can't have just half of it. In other words, you, if you're responding to the, the needs of the world around you with compassion and with grace, but you don't have an understanding of your own need for mercy, then you're not going to go any deeper with God until you get before God and receive an understanding of your own need for mercy. And it will always work itself out that you will be hard on other people if you don't have an understanding of your own need for mercy. And you'll say things like, <clears throat> well, the things I've done isn't that bad. It's not as bad as what this one over here did. And just all types of excuses and foolishness simply because you don't have an understanding of your own deep need of mercy. But in order to truly be merciful, you need that understanding. And then mercy, I mean, that understanding is the seedbed where mercy grows. Because you want to act like Christ. You want to, you're an imitator of Christ. 
and He had so much mercy on me that I just feel that I must have mercy on you. And that's an attitude and a, and a heart posture of someone who can go deeper with God. You will obtain mercy. On Judgment Day, if you have shown compassion and mercy to others, you will receive the same from God. Verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, <clears throat> for they shall see God. Now that phrase in the Greek, pure in heart, it doesn't mean external purity or ceremonial cleanness. You follow what I'm saying? Hey, look over here, man. I'm washing my hands now. I'm clean. Hey, look over here. I'm doing what I should be doing. Oh, man, I'm a great forgiver. Oh, man, I'm a great... You see, we've already gotten past humility, which is the humility being poor, poor in spirit is the foundation through which all this other blossoms. We've already left that. Nothing in the kingdom of God is for a show. You follow me? Nothing in the kingdom of God is for a show. This means pure in heart is inward sincerity, though not perfection, but inward sincerity in faith and love. Psalm 24, 4. Psalm 73, 1, Acts 15, 9, 1 Timothy 1, 5, and 2 Timothy 2, 22, and 1 Peter 1, 22, all refer to this characteristic of the people who can go deeper with God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then, blessed are the peacemakers. Didn't say those who stir up trouble between people. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, this word peacemaker does not refer to smoothing over disobedience to God's word. But rather, it seeks to restore people to harmony with God and harmony with each other. You can find that also in Romans 12, 18-21, Romans 14, 19. This is exactly what Christ did on the cross. When Christ gave His life on the cross, how many of us are giving our lives today? And I don't mean physical death, but I mean how many of us are laying down all of our rights, we're laying down all of our, our objects of, of uh, how do I say it, we're laying down those goals and those plans that we thought we had to have when we were a teenager or when we were a young adult, we're laying it all down at the altar, at the base of the cross, and we're letting God kill it so that we might live for the benefit of others. That's what it's talking about. And see, that's what Jesus did on the cross. So despite my rights, and despite what I feel that I deserve or don't deserve, my motive is to restore people to harmony with God and with each other. I'm going to tell you, there's some things that people do, sin, that people do, that turns me really off and disgusts me. And it is not my natural inclination to want to restore with them. But it is my obligation and it is my desire in the Holy Spirit 
to try to get the word to them and see repentance in their life and restore them to fellowship with myself, but most of all, with God. Now that's a work of the Holy Spirit in the heart and life of a believer, and it's a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Literally, it says sons of God. How many of you understand when, when you say mankind, you're talking about woman too? Because, you know, you know the story, God created Adam and God created Eve out of the rib of Adam. You know the story. So there's a male man, M-A-L-E, he don't deliver much, but he, he's a male man. And then there's a woman. In other words, a man with a womb. And it's talking about a, it's talking not, not even about a species, it's just a, a unique creation of God called mankind. And it's male and it's female. Not the same person. Okay, we better say that in light of today's controversies in the sin-sick world. <laughs> Nobody can be both, okay? You can't, you can't be male and female. You're one or the other. But both is mankind. So you understand that and you don't get offended when Brother Paxton uses the term man or mankind. All right. They shall be called sons of God. That's daughters too. God will vindicate and God will glorify His adopted children for the ways they have shown, for the ways that they have shown that they bear His image by grace. So see there? There is a responsibility to grace. There is a responsibility to grace. You're going to be rewarded and you're going to be vindicated based on how you have shown. Oh, I love that. How you have shown that you bear the image of God by grace. And grace is a gift to you. So there's no reason that you can't be a person that can go deeper with God. You just might not be able to go deeper with God the way you are now. But grace changes what we are and is constantly and continually conforming us into the image of Christ. Next it says, oh this is a big one. Let's, let's look at our definition again here of blessed. What do we say that that, that, that meant? Blessed. Blessed. Rich in the benefits of God's grace. Regardless of of their present outward condition. So here, you are rich in grace. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. So persecution really, and I think the early church had an understanding of this that we've lost somewhere. You really don't have to run from persecution. You are rather expected to make that stand for Jesus Christ in the face of persecution because irrespective of your outward condition, you are rich in the grace of God. When you're persecuted, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now don't be persecuted for being a fool. And don't be persecuted for being stupid. But if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, there's a lot of richness in that. 
That's the type of riches that we want to have. That's the type of riches that store up, hallelujah, in our heavenly bank account. Amen. Some people actually, listen, I've heard this taught so long. Some people actually believe they got dollar bills waiting up in an account in heaven for them. You're not going to need dollar bills in heaven. No, it's these riches here that we're talking about for those who are poor in spirit and those that mourn over their sin, those that are meek, those which hunger and thirst after righteousness, those that are merciful, those that are pure in heart and peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Everything God has belongs to you. Praise God. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. You remember the, what Pastor Carter said of praying for those people in the restaurant, how they began to mock him and curse him. That's what the word revile means in the Greek. Those who are, it is those who are insulted and mocked and, and made false accusations of, of this. They have a reward in heaven. It says rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so this is the person who can go deeper with God. The, basically, we could say it this way. The person who is allowing the fruit of the Spirit to grow and tended to in their life. That is the person that can go deeper with God. Listen, if you've got issues with hate, and you've got issues with anger, and you've got issues with, with all of these type of things that is the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, you can't go deeper with God until you deal with those issues. And how do you deal with it? Sincere repentance. It's right here for you in, in Matthew chapter 5. We've talked about it all. And incidentally, this message will be podcasted on the Old Time Powers uh, teaching podcast probably in a couple of weeks. Two, three weeks. We put up a new podcast every Friday. And uh, we've already got one picked for tomorrow. And then we'll have last week's message and this week's message. Uh, this is the introduction to the prayer series. Because we've got to get these issues straight if we think we're going to go deeper with God. And if we think we're going to live lives of answered prayer, well, then we have to get this stuff right. And it, it, notice it doesn't say perfection, but it says sincerity. So we're never going to be perfect in this flesh body while we walk upon the earth. But we will be perfect one day. But right now, we need to be sincere. And that is a desire that's birthed in you by the Holy Spirit also. I'm seeing the Holy Spirit will give you everything you need. It's just that you have to bend your knee and do what He says and, and use what He gives you to become those who are poor in spirit, those that mourn, those that are meek, hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted, 
Those who will stand there and even in the face of false accusations and in the face of insult and mockery, they will continue to patiently bear that while they wait for the Lord to vindicate them. You remember we read that definition? And the Lord will come and He will be your vindication. So now I want to turn, as we start to wind this teaching down here tonight, I want to turn to that same passage in the New Living Translation. And I'm just going to kind of read through it a little bit quickly here. But, and I didn't, I didn't take the time with this message that I probably would have in a church. I mean, I'll tell you right now, and those of you who have been in my services, you know, many of the pastors who have had me in, you know, this would be one of them 90-minute nights. I didn't take the time to develop all of this, but I think the Holy Spirit got the point across that we intended to bring tonight about being a, a person that can go deeper with God. I want to read this in the NLT, and I want to tie it all together as we close. I'm going to play a song right after the message, and then I'm going to come back with a couple of quick announcements and some more music, and we'll worship together for the remainder of our time tonight. Matthew chapter 5, NLT. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. He gathered his disciples around him and began to teach them. God bless those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God bless those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God bless those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God bless those who hunger and thirst for justice. Now I want to stop there. And I want you to notice, that's the sixth verse, what does it say in the King James, or, or I, I haven't looked at any of the other versions, but it says, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now this cuts two ways, and I'll do my best to try to get it in real quick. The one translation translates it justice, and I really don't like that one as well. However, there is a way that it fits in, and I'll get to that in a moment. But here's the first thing I want to say. I don't want what I justly deserve, and neither do you. And I believe that's why the King James is the better translation, because what it's really saying is, the righteousness of Christ is what we've been given by faith. That's how I want God to deal with me. Because if He dealt with me absolutely according to justice, there'd be no hope for me, and there'd be no hope for you. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned and played the fool. We have acted astray from the ways of the Spirit. Okay. Now that's, that's one way that it cuts. That's one reason why I do, I do like <clears throat> the King James translation, the best of all of them on this particular section of Scripture. Also, um, the other way that it cuts though is this, is that God's justice is founded in and based on His righteousness. And so, He can say in the Word of God, He said, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just. Justice, it is just for me to forgive you of your sins, and not only will I do that, but I will cleanse you from all of your wicked unrighteousness. And that's the right thing to do. 
That's why Jesus could preach these sermons to the people of his time, and he would say to them, if they ask you for something, give it to them. Hoping not to, re to receive back again. Or he would say, pray for those which despitefully use you. Love those that hate you. And all of these things that Jesus preached, and you would say, well, that doesn't sound like justice, but it is justice because it's based on and founded in the righteousness of God. And God is going to treat you once you receive Christ and, and when you sin, if you confess that sin, and that's for Christians, that means when we sin, we confess it to the Lord. He says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of that and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. In other words, there's no record of it on the books. And so the Lord's saying, I'm going to do all that for you. You better be loving and forgiving towards other people. And that's a whole other message. But I'm saying, this is the type of person that can go deeper with God, is the type of person who has learned these basic things. And it's, it's very difficult. It's impossible, not even very difficult. It's impossible in our own self to do these things. The absolute secret, the absolute key to this, is to be in Christ. The absolute key is to have faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. The absolute key is for you and I to humble ourselves that He may lift us up in due time. And when He lifts us up, we are all together as He desires us to be in that moment. And yeah, we might make another mistake five minutes down the road, but in that moment, we are exactly what He wants us to be. And that's the way we live our lives. And that's the way we need to allow other people to live theirs too. Okay? So I know that was really fast. Like I said, I haven't developed this like I would in a, in a revival meeting or whatever. But I will have the podcast for you in a couple of weeks that you can download for free. Take advantage of it and listen to this again and let the Holy Ghost speak to you. Okay, so blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice or for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God, and let, let me say another thing about that. It just popped up in my spirit. It is absolutely wrong for a Christian to see someone who has committed a sin or committed a crime or anything like this and to absolutely go out after them with a vengeance. That's the wrong move, buddy. That flies in the face of everything the Word of God has taught us here tonight. Now that doesn't mean that criminals shouldn't be punished. What it means is I should not celebrate when they are. And I shouldn't desire them to get the most severest and the harshest possible. And that shouldn't be something in my heart that I like to see. But yet, in our humanness, that's exactly the way we are. And again, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to break that attitude. And it must be broken. Before God's people can go deeper with Him, it must be broken and we must become pliable in His hands that He can make us the type of person that He wants us to be. Okay, let's move right along. Uh, they will be satisfied. <clears throat> God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, 
for they will be called the children of peace. And I do like that translation right there. Peacemakers, one who works for peace. Not, not going behind the scenes and trying to engineer somebody's downfall. Not trying to drive a wedge further between two people. But working for peace, okay? For they will be called the children of God. Look at what it says there. They are the ones who will be called the children of God. Not these ugly, hateful people of religion, but people who are not only hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word, and they live the Gospel. Again, only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I'm thinking right now of a, a teacher uh, in, in a school system somewhere. I don't even know if it was America. It might have been Canada or it could have been the U.S. I'm not sure. But they wrote in uh, for prayer to Times Square Church for their, on their prayer meeting night. And they, they wrote in and said that they're being persecuted because they will not acknowledge that a boy is really a girl. You know, they stood up and they done right. They, they stood up for the righteousness based on Scripture and the standard of the Word of God. And so there's a blessing for them because they stood for that and because they were persecuted because they did. See, here's what you don't want to misunderstand. None of these things... You know, when you hear the term, we're going to walk in love and we're going to extend grace and all of this, none of that is designed to cover people's sin in the sense of, well, sin's not so bad. That's not what we're saying. In fact, we will stand up against sin. I'll tell you right now. God made you. You're male or female based on God's choice, and there's nothing you'll ever be able to do about it. Now, that's the truth of this. You can change whatever you want to change. You can have whatever operation you want to have. You can do whatever you want to do. But if you're a man, God made you a man. God still thinks you're a man. He knows you are because that's who He made you to be. And vice versa. And there ain't no sense in, in getting ugly and nasty over these issues. But God gets to choose who we are. We do not. Sorry if that offends your delicate religious sensibilities. And I know it will draw persecution. But guess what? I'm rich. Oh, I don't have a lot of greenback dollar bills. But I am rich in the blessings of heaven because I am standing for the Word. And I will do my level best to restore you to God and to restore you to your fellow man. And we'll have to deal with sin and get it under the blood, okay? But it's nothing but love. As we heard Pastor earlier tonight in his... In his segment, it's nothing but love that will tell me the truth. And it's nothing but love that will point out what is wrong while lifting up what is right and then helping you to get to that place of right. That is love. Ignoring people's sin is not love. In fact, it's the opposite. It's hate. Hate isn't calling sin, sin. Hate is ignoring sin and letting the person go to hell. Okay. Let's finish this up. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you 
and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. Now, if that's really in your heart, don't sound like you'll be seeking much revenge. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in this same way. And so there you have it from two translations. And this is only part of the Beatitudes. You know, how many of you realize that the Beatitudes are not just that part that says, blessed are they, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are, blessed are. That's just the opening of Jesus' sermon. You need to read all of chapter 5, all of chapter 6, and all of chapter 7, and now you've got the Sermon on the Mount. Praise God! And there's a whole lot of nuggets in there that would be beneficial to us in our spiritual lives. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time with the people tonight. Father, help us all. Help open up our spirits, Lord, so that you can deposit your word and your truth within us and cause us to see it. Cause us to have a revelation of these things in our lives because we want to go further with you. We want to go deeper with you. Lord, we want you to take us to the highest heights and the deepest depths. God, we want you to be able to use us in this generation to take hope to the masses of humanity that don't know Jesus. And so, Father, we ask you to touch each heart tonight and open each heart and give a revelation of the kingdom of God contained here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 and beyond as we go further than this. Lord, make it real to us. Shoot this word to our hearts like an arrow of deliverance and cause it to rise up big within us that we might give you glory in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.